This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. When Pope Francis apologized for residential schools that were run by the Catholic Church in Canada, a Cree elder-in-chief gifted him a headdress and placed it on his head. This sparked a controversy over what it means to gift a headdress and who is deserving of such a precious gift. In this hour, we'll hear from Native people about protocols surrounding headdresses. Stay tuned. We'll be back after the news. With National Native News, I'm Art Hughes in for Antonio Gonzalez. A disparaging pamphlet that resurfaced on the Pine Ridge Reservation prompted a series of actions by the Oglala Sioux Tribal Council to regulate church ministries. The Tribal Council initially voted to suspend all Christian missionary work, only to rescind that action a day later, instead requiring all outside religious organizations to register with the tribe. The offending flyer is a duplicate of one distributed years ago that uses the Lakota word for the creator, calling it a demon idol, among other things. It instead claims Jesus is the one true God. Earlier in the month, the tribe ousted Matthew Monfort from the Jesus is King missionary for distributing disparaging pamphlets. They then ordered an investigation into the non-denominational Christian Dream Center, which some members claimed was associated with Monfort. During the emergency meeting, Oglala citizen Bernice Redbear addressed representatives of the Dream Center, asking how they intend to reach out to Pine Ridge residents with such harmful language. If you wanted to save me, how would you do it? What kind of a message would you give me instead of saying all these things that the God that I pray to is an idol, is a demon idol? The founder of the Dream Center denies any connection with Monfort or the offending pamphlets. Lori McAfee says her organization is the victim of false rumors and innuendo. But you can say anything to anybody. You can post anything and people believe it. All I know is God sent us here to love the people. And we were not just, we didn't just come. And I see a lot of people come. But I've been here 21 years and now all of a sudden this is happening. The discussion over the flyers sparked references to the abuses by Catholic priests and other religious leaders at boarding schools designed to eradicate Native culture and language. Some members also talked about how Pope Francis's visit to Canada to apologize for abuses in that country opened wounds for boarding school survivors. Pine Ridge has a long history of concerns about Christian missionaries exploiting the reservation to raise money. A federal judge has dismissed libel lawsuits against media companies filed by a former Kentucky Catholic school student who was the center of criticism stemming from a 2019 encounter at the Lincoln Memorial. Nick Sandman was among students wearing Make America Great hats at a rally in the U.S. Capitol, a video of him standing face-to-face with Nathan Phillips, who was drumming and singing, went viral. Some of the students mocked Phillips' singing. Many viewers interpreted Sandman's facial expression as a sign of disrespect. Sandman sued several news outlets, including the New York Times and Rolling Stone magazine. The suit centered on repeating Phillips' claim that Sandman was blocking him from moving past. The judge said the claims are objectively unverifiable and thus unactionable claims. An attorney for Sandman tells the Lexington Herald-Leader they are planning on appealing the decision. 
The Duwamish tribe is pushing for representation on Seattle's inaugural Indigenous Advisory Council. Fox 13 Seattle quotes tribal chairwoman Cecile Hansen as saying that denying the Duwamish a seat contradicts the council's legitimacy and intention to be inclusive and reparative. She notes the irony of excluding the voice of the tribe, whose notable chief from the mid-1800s is the city's namesake. The Duwamish is not federally recognized. The council was established last year to provide input on issues related to the city's indigenous populations. Five of the panel's nine members are assigned by the city council. The remaining four are appointed by the mayor. The Navajo Nation is headed into its tribal primary election Tuesday with at least 15 candidates for president. One of them is incumbent President Jonathan Nez, who faces challengers, including the tribe's former vice president, Frank Dayish, and former Attorney General Ethel Branch. The top two vote-getters go on to the November general election. With National Native News, I'm Art Hughes. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This show is supported by the return of FX's Reservation Dogs. This season of the original comedy continues to follow the favorite gang of indigenous teens in rural Oklahoma. FX's Reservation Dogs now streaming only on Hulu. The Indian Arts and Crafts Board promotes Indian artists of federally recognized tribes through its online source directory. Information on this no-charge opportunity available at doi.gov IACB, who support this program. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. By now, you may have seen pictures of Pope Francis wearing a headdress. A Cree elder and chief gifted the headdress and placed it on his head during the Pope's visit to Canada to apologize for the Catholic Church's role in residential school abuses. The action prompted backlash for many Native leaders who say the gift is offensive and against protocol. Others defended the gift as a sign of respect and gratitude. Tribes with headdress traditions have strict protocols related to who can make them and wear them. There are also guidelines on gifting them. What do you know about the use of headdress in your culture? Do your people wear them? What do you think about seeing the Pope wearing one? Give us a call at 1-800-996-2848 to share your views on the matter. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Speaking with us first from Winnipeg, Manitoba is Negan Sinclair. He's a Winnipeg Free Press columnist and Indigenous Studies professor. He's Anishinaabe. Nigan, welcome back to Native America Calling. It's great to be here. Miigwech. Nigan, the Pope's apology tour last week made international headlines. He said, quote, In the face of this deplorable evil, the Church kneels before God and implores his forgiveness for the sins of her children. How did this one gift of a headdress last Monday affect that day's entire message and the whole event? So the Pope uh, traveled the country for six days, uh, arriving on Sunday and leaving on Saturday. And uh, his first day, which was on Monday, uh, he went to the site of a former residential school called Muscochis in northern Alberta, close to what's now known as Edmonton. And, <coughs> and he uh, met with survivors and offered an apology. 
And uh, that apology was widely seen as uh, kind of a half apology. Uh, he didn't take responsibility for the role of the church, the institutional role. He said it was a few bad apples who did those deplorable acts, uh, a few bad priests and so on, people who were uh, employed by the, by the Catholic Church. And so, and so it, was in a, it, it was in the context of people generally um, feeling that he hadn't gone quite far enough. And there's lots to criticize around the trip that he took, but that was the main issue which led to, um, you know, uh, some, some of the concerns or some of the controversy around the headdress. So, uh, so in the context of that, uh, you know, there's about, you know, about three to three to 400,000 Indigenous peoples in Canada who are Catholic. Uh, <clears throat> there's only about 2 million of us in the country. Uh, those are official, according to First Nations and, and Métis and Inuit communities. Um, and so what we're, what we're in the situation of is there is a, a very large, significant amount of Jewish people who wanted the Pope to come, who worked very hard to do that. In fact, there was, we held a, the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. One of the calls to action was the Pope to come to Canada and offer an apology. So for many Indigenous people, this was a very happy moment. And uh, in, in the midst of all of that, upon uh, one, of the, one of the lead commissioners for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, his name is Wilton Littlechild, and he was the Cree leader and chief within Alberta. And uh, he offered one of his personal headdresses. It wasn't an official ceremonial offering. Uh, what he did was is he went up to the Pope following his apology, which some were disappointed with, some were happy with. And he placed uh, a headdress on the Pope's head. Uh, the Pope actually gestured to him to put it on his head. And so, uh, and it, you know, at the time, it was much applause and kind of shock. I know that I was covering it for a media. I was on TV at the moment, and I think all of us were rather surprised that moment occurred. Mm -hmm. So uh, not a ceremonial headdress. It was his own personal headdress that, that, that he uh, gave to the Pope and then put it on his head. And, and, and Nika, just overall, how are people up in Canada, how are they split on this issue? Sounds like uh, there's people that feel strongly that it was wrong some people feel strongly that it was a sign of respect it was a a gesture of goodwill about how does it break down up there in canada right now so i mean the fact that it's wilton's personal headdress uh one that he had already brought into ceremony that he had already had blessed uh and given to him and he was handing on to the pope that's a very different situation than let's say the chiefs of alberta or the Treaty 6 chiefs, where they were on Treaty 6 land, if the Treaty 6 chiefs had decided, okay, we're going to give him a headdress, we're going to give him a sacred name, and we're going to give him, a, you know, whatever else, uh, you know, a, a number of ceremonial objects, <clears throat> it's, it's very different when it's a personal gesture by Wilton himself doing that than it is for, let's say, a group of or a community or a nation. That still doesn't take away, I think, the impact of what it looks like. Um, which is that the uh, that you know indigenous peoples were signing off or somehow approving or somehow right, feeling right. that the, uh, that that the that the pope you know somehow was being indigenous for that moment and so uh, generally very controversial in that I think a lot of people are not happy with our sacred items being used in, in a political fashion like that but at the same time it's also uh, a demonstration by Wilton. Wilton was trying to demonstrate to all of us, all Indigenous peoples, to try to reconcile ourselves with this institution which has done irreparable harm to us. 
and to try to turn the page and move in such a way that uh, to show that generosity that our people always have. That's really what I think Wilton was trying to do. And I think as the week went on, uh, as the Pope actually did some pretty remarkable things later in the week, uh, <clears throat> people might have softened that stance somewhat. Well, I know that, that before the visit, uh, Indigenous leaders and elders, their goal was that the Pope not merely repeat earlier apologies, but to assign blame to the church as an institution. And Negan, after last week's visit, are, are you folks any closer to that goal? Well, the Pope traveled to three different cities. He went to, started in Edmonton, and then, like I mentioned, went to the former residential school site did a number of other things. And then he went to Quebec City. <coughs> uh, he did a number of political things there, even gave us big, very nationalistic speech and met the prime minister and so on. And then he ended off in an Inuit community far up north uh, in Calouet and Northwest Territories. And so during all of those different places that he stopped along the way, he said a pretty similar message the entire way, that, that bad apple argument that I mentioned a minute ago, that the problem wasn't with residential schools wasn't the, wasn't the Catholic Church itself, but it was uh, individuals within the church that did that. Now, he did do a couple really remarkable things, and I'll just tell you quickly what he did. Um, he did say that the uh, Catholic Church did have um, an element of sexual abuse, so that people perpetrated sexual abuse. That was a big surprise. People didn't expect him to acknowledge the specificity <laughs> around the, the abuse. The second thing what he did is that he also uh, wore uh, other Indigenous items during his um, uh, giving of the Lord's Prayer, for example, or the liturgies or, or the prayers that he would give. He was uh, <clears throat> frequently doing Catholicism differently. And then he said something very specific on Thursday night. He revoked, uh, not, purpose, not you know, in, um, verbally, but he said that Indigenous peoples on our own culture and on our own terms, our languages, our songs, our stories, are have the face of God within them. And that's very significant, because what he's basically saying is, is that the Catholic Church can no longer evangelicalize, cannot force us to change uh, in order to become spiritual or godlike people, because he says our ceremonies already have God within them. This is a very significant thing, I think, particularly for your listeners in the United States. Much of the Catholic Church, and frankly other churches, have constantly tried to erase us, to assimilate us, to get rid of our culture, our language, our songs, our stories. What the Pope said on Thursday night to the priests and the, uh, the cardinals and the bishops across Canada in a very uh, public speech, the Catholic Church must accept Indigenous culture on its own terms. That is a groundbreaking statement that goes in 500 years of doctrine, it rebukes that doctrine. And then the last thing that the Pope did is, upon his flight flying back to the Vatican on, on uh, Friday night, he said outright that the residential schools were a system of genocide. And uh, he, of course, is saying that in the context of blaming the Canadian government for doing that. He, he's still not willing to take a responsibility for the church in that genocide. But he did say the residential schools uh, define genocide. Uh, they fit the definition of genocide. And that's a pretty crucial step as well. So there was lots of change as the week went on. And I think that the Pope did say some pretty remarkable things later. Well, another thing I want to add to that is um, Pope Francis has made apologies before. Uh, he has addressed the Catholic Church's persecution of Protestants 
its failure to protect minors from sexual abuse by priests. But this trip last week to Canada is the first time that an entire trip has been framed around a papal apology. Do you think that's significant, just that he made a trip just for this purpose alone? Yeah, I mean, it is significant. Let's also be honest in that the Catholic Church is in a crisis in Canada. Uh, The Catholic Church's people are abandoning en masse. Ever since the unmarked graves that were found at schools run by the Catholic Church at residential school sites, and those are most notably known at Kamloops, at Cowessis, at Brandon, at, I could list off, there's several, it's going over 12 to 1300 now, unmarked graves of children that were attending residential schools run by Catholic institutions, Catholic people. And children died in those situations. They died by disease, they died by abuse, they died by starvation, and they also died by murder. And so the Catholic Church has perpetrated incredible harms, and that has led to a critical uh, situation for the church in Canada. People are leaving the church en masse, their donations are lower. And so this tour, while important that it is in the context of fulfilling a call to action by delivering an apology to survivors, is also a public relations move by the church uh, to try to recover their reputation in the country. And so this wasn't just about uh, you know, doing the right thing. It was also the Catholic Church trying to get um, some kind of foothold or some kind of way to stop uh, what has been a, uh, a very uh, exodus, a mass, mass exodus by Canadians against the church, and in some cases, Indigenous peoples against the church, because as I mentioned before, several hundred thousand Indigenous peoples are Catholic. We're speaking right now with Negan Sinclair, Winnipeg Free Press columnist, and he's sharing with us the Pope's visit last week to Canada in which he was gifted a headdress. More to come right after this break. It's been a hot summer across the country. Heat-induced illnesses continue to worsen as the climate warms. But that's not the only health threat. The World Health Organization declared monkeypox a global health concern. We'll also get the latest information about continuing COVID infections. That's on the next Native America Calling. Support by Indigenous Pact, a healthcare consulting company working to create health equity in Indian country. Indigenous Pact offers solutions to fit the needs of your tribe. Their team, experts in healthcare strategy, policy, and innovation, provides a one of a kind plan to solve the issues specific to your community. Indigenous Pact works to create three primary outcomes healing spaces, healthy citizens, and sustainable economies. More information at indigenouspact.com. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about protocols and traditions surrounding headdresses. If you're from a tribe that wears headdresses, what do you think about one being gifted to non-natives? There's controversy right now with the Pope wearing and being gifted a headdress. Do you think it's cool or is it sacrilege? Give us a call. We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Last week on our Native American Calling Facebook page, we posted a picture of the Pope wearing a headdress that was gifted to him in Canada. Here are some comments from our followers. April Skias says, the Pope does not deserve the honor of wearing a headdress. Dara Redleaf says, so embarrassed and ashamed of these First Nations to give the war bonnet to him, unforgivable. Tanya Pavlov-Dunn says, in my humble opinion, there are things I, as a Native woman, won't touch. 
It's out of respect. There are traditions, ways, and rules that I don't question. But in defense of the tribal leader that did this, maybe he thought differently. Personally, I don't think there is enough sage to cleanse this headdress. We're speaking now with Negan Sinclair. He's a Winnipeg Free Press columnist and an Indigenous Studies professor. Negan, um, precedents with regard to non-Native people, politicians wearing headdresses or being gifted headdresses. I know Prime Minister Trudeau has been given a headdress, uh, members of the British royal family as well. Uh, how significant is that in light of this event last week with the Pope? Yeah, the, the slight difference, I would say, with the Prime Minister receiving, it's actually the past two Prime Ministers have received headdresses uh, from certain chiefs or certain organizations, certain nations. <coughs> the, those were ceremonial offerings where ceremonies were held uh, in which those were presented from the community. Um, and so I think that's a very different situation than what was happening with the Pope, which was that this was given by an individual giving his personal headdress to the Pope. Uh, and I think this is that nuance is very specific because one is talking about a nation recognizing someone, and the other one is an individual recognizing somebody. And uh, within our communities, uh, it is, of course, the role of our leaders to speak for the community and to speak in such a way that they are like a spokesperson. Uh, <coughs> they are... They are someone who looks to the community for what is the community looking for, what is the community interested, what does the community need, and then acts accordingly. Um, and so that, what that means is that I think that's why people give headdresses to prime ministers uh, or you know um, dignitaries like Prince Charles, because they're seeking to build a relationship between the community and that individual. In the case of the Pope, uh, this was Wilton Littlechild who was giving a headdress to the Pope specifically recognizing his own appreciation for what the Pope had done, come all the way from the Vatican to apologize for the churches. Or, you know, like I said before, the apology wasn't quite complete because the Pope did not take responsibility for the residential schools on behalf of the church. He said it was uh, the cap, the, the, the church had employed people uh, who had perpetrated abuses. So uh, what I would just say is that the context matters, how and why a headdress or another sacred object, like a traditional name, for example. Why is it being gifted? And I think communities have an absolute right to be angry when our traditional items are given to people who have not earned them, who do not respect them, and frankly, that the, the, the object is being given for a political purpose, often to benefit the chief who gave that item rather than the community itself. And if the community itself does not benefit from the offering of that sacred gift, and frankly, they, the chiefs or any other leaders, for that matter, should not be going out handing them out. Uh, Negan, you know, we're getting a lot of comments uh, from people who don't come from tribes with a headdress tradition. Do they have a right to criticize the actions of Wilton Littlechild? I'm thinking of people like myself down here in New Mexico, Pueblo people, Southwestern people. Do we have, do we have a say in this matter? Well, the funny, the funny thing or the way things work is that when Indigenous peoples from any community do something of such high profile, it's on all of us and it impacts all of us. Uh, you know, non-Native people don't understand the difference between all of us. They don't understand that, uh, for instance, people in the Southwest amongst the, uh, 
um, the Navajo, for example, uh, or the Apache, or you know, people down in the Southwest, they don't use the same medicines or they have the same ceremonies or have the same languages as those of us up here in Anishinaabe territory. You know, <coughs> and so what happens is is that anybody who does anything. Um, that impacts all of us. And I think we all have a right to have an opinion on these things. Um, and most importantly, uh, it, it's, it, it must be said in such a way, though, that respect is always the key. Respect is how our communities interact with one another. So my hope is, is that when we look to what someone else has done from a different nation, a different community, we can have an opinion, but we must bring the same respect and the same understanding of kinship and responsibilities that we would as if it was our own uncle, as if it was our own elder. And if we don't do that, then all we are is just um, doing lateral violence to one another, the same thing that happens on Twitter or social media mm -hmm. where people are not related and they just say mean things to each other for the purposes of clickbait. Well, listeners, if you've got an opinion on this issue, if you agree with it, if you think it's a problem that the Pope was gifted a headdress, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. We really want to hear from our listeners today. And uh, let's hear from another guest who also is knowledgeable on headdresses and Native culture as well. Joining us from Hardin, Montana, is Dana Wilson. He is a former member of the executive and legislative branches of the Crow Tribal Government. He's Crow, a member of the Big Lodge Clan, and a child of the Bad War Deeds clan. Dana, welcome to Native America Calling, and please feel free to further introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you. I think you both got it. Um, you know, just a, a disclaimer. Um, you know, like you alluded to earlier, there's so many different tribes, so many different uh, Native peoples that all have their own distinct culture, their own distinct way of doing things, their own distinct... Uh, languages uh dances everything and i can't speak you know on behalf of another on a, on behalf of another tribe and i i don't really even within our own tribe you know there's uh different things that people were taught that are are similar but you know just you know ways of uh of doing things and um you know uh going back to the intro you know all the children the atrocities that were done to these you know native kids and um you know it's it's a it's, it's a big thing and you know there's no way that they that they could be corrected i mean how can you go back two three hundred years and then then correct a wrong that has been that has been done and um it, I'm, I'm not quite sure how uh you know the other tribe handles it or what their what their protocol is on on gifting uh a non-native member um something that my tribe you know we hold pretty sacred we hold pretty dear uh not just anybody can pick up a war bonnet and, and, and wear it you know like uh with the real eagle feathers and mm -hmm. um you know and i think that um a lot of people like i haven't really heard a whole lot about it just you know after it came out you know i heard some stories about it at the sweat and you know some some guys were showing me memes of the of the pope you know, and, and, you know, just different things, you know, it was pretty controversial and, and, um, it, it was, uh, personally, um, I didn't really understand, you know, for, 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 for a non-native, what, what did he actually do to earn that, 
you know, um, the Crow tribe, you know, just, just to become a chief, you know, you had to do some pretty dangerous uh, things, uh, touch an enemy in battle without killing him, taking an enemy's weapon, uh, leading a successful war party where nobody got killed, maimed, or seriously injured, and uh, stealing an enemy's horse. And of course, you know, today we can't do that. If we did that, we'd all end up in prison for a long, long time, you know. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure what, what the Pope did to... to um, gain that honor from that from that you know from from that particular tribe well dana you have a headdress uh what did it take for you to earn that you know i i don't i i have one but it's not it, it's not uh real they're they're not real eagle feathers um my granddad had one that he let me uh wear from time to time and um you know parades and stuff like that but uh my granddad was a uh, uh, korean war or Korean conflict combat veteran. And, um, you know, today they say that, well, you could wear a war bonnet because, you know, the times have changed. Uh, you know, certain people just believe certain things today. Otherwise, I don't think anybody would actually be able to wear a wear a headdress if you stuck, you know, strictly to the rules on, 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 on the crow way of, of uh, wearing them. A lot of people say, well, if you get an education, you know, like a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or, or a doctor's degree, or if you hold, you know, just gain some 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 reputable uh, act to that kind of benefit everybody. Right, right. Some of these uh, modern markers of achievement, um, but yeah, significantly different from what you're describing, uh, winning them in battle, uh, stealing enemy horses and things like that. Folks, if you've got a question or a comment or you just want to get your take on the air, 1-800-996-2848. That's the number to call. And we have Jennifer right now in Albuquerque listening on KUNM. Jennifer, you're on the air. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, this is a loaded topic. I'm non-native, so I'm going to speak from the white guilt perspective. But uh, <laughs> what I want to say is, first off, you know, just the gesture of, giving the Pope that is so loving and it's generous, but it really makes me nervous because um, what it sets an example of is that non-natives can go ahead and wear headless, you know, through the media. And I don't, that makes me really uncomfortable. Um, and while I'm at it, I could also say that it's really nice that the Pope came and made apologies. I don't know enough about all the details. I have been listening to you guys, but I have been studying up on what the, you know, what Europeans, what Spaniards did over here, and it is, the brutality is just, he owes a lot more than just an apology, and the brutality was also carried out over there in Europe. So, I am not comfortable with this headdress thing on the Pope, as loving as that was. Thanks for taking my call. <laughs> Jennifer, thanks for calling in and uh, sharing that white guilt with us. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate your perspectives, and I want to ask Dana more about this issue, and he mentioned, you know, being from from the Crow Tribe here in the U.S., and um, you know, some of these perspectives might be different depending on what tribe you are from. But I, earlier I mentioned some of the the comments on social media that we've received, and we did also have some comments with regard to to elders, and um, you know, what as Native people we are taught to honor our elders and decisions that may they make, regardless if we don't always understand 
their motivation. And, and Dana, I want to ask your response to that because Wilton Littlechild, this gentleman up in Canada that gifted this personal headdress to the Pope, he's almost 80 years old and he's deeply connected to the truth and reconciliation process, certainly understands it as well as me, you, or any other indigenous person. Uh, why can't we just trust the judgment of an elder on this one? What's your thought on that, Dana? Well, I mean, like I said, I, I'm not a member of, of their particular tribe, but, you know, you asked that directly to me. I do trust, you know, my elders, um, clan uncles, or, or who I, I run to for uh, any type of guidance, prayers, um, advice, uh, help with, you know, just, you know, different things, you know, like uh, problems kind of similar to, to an advisor. Is, is the role that a clan uncle plays in 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 our in our culture, and um, you know, and then too also, I, I'm not quite sure what the, what the gentleman's uh, role was. Was he a uh, was he the tribal leader? Was he the um, you know? I I really don't know. Um, but I do know, like from my standpoint, being being uh, a former tribal leader in in the government elected by my people was uh tribal leaders you come from all different walks of life you know some guys are cowboys uh some guys are electricians some guys are equipment operators and i was previously a coal miner and and i got into there but yet i was still i mean it's impossible for well not impossible but it takes a lot of work for a, a crow to be totally knowledgeable in every single aspect of your culture like uh, there's different things that that happen that crows that are strictly crow that not everybody participates in, but that doesn't make them a uh, that doesn't take anything away from their identity. They're still a crow, but yet they choose not to participate in that. Like sweat lodge, I participate in a sweat lodge, but I know a lot of people that don't. Uh, hand games, arrow throwing, uh, dancing. You know, uh, crow traditional dance. There's, uh, you know, you could you could pick out a crow style dancer in any any powwow arena. You know, by the way we dress, we dress specifically that specifically crow style, and not everybody does that. So I guess what I'm trying to make is, you know, how knowledgeable is is the 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 guy, the the elder that that okay. actually bestowed that upon him. You know, okay. because. And regardless of how old somebody is, I mean, I've, I've known people in there, you know, they still kind of seek advice from somebody, you know, um, if, if it's a topic that you're not totally uh, keen on, something that you're not, I guess, uh, subject matter on, you know, if you're not an expert in that particular field, you know, you go, you go to somebody else. But um I guess that's kind of my, my, my perspective on that, you know, in a, in a longer version answer. <laughs> well, Dana, that, yeah, that's a really good question. And we're going to have to take a break here in another moment. But when we come back from break, I'm going to let Negan uh, give us a little bit more information on Wilton Littlechild. I know he is an, a lawyer. He's a former parliamentarian, uh, residential school survivor. And he was also part of the delegation of indigenous representatives that went to the Vatican earlier this spring. But I'm going to let Negan share a little bit more information on, on his role, Wilton Littlechild, and, and his cultural background as well. I think it will really help us better frame this conversation and, and gain uh, further insight into this issue with the Pope being gifted and wearing a headdress. 
folks, if you want to get in on this conversation, we would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, if you want to share some white guilt like our caller did a few minutes ago, if you're a native from the Southwest like myself that just wants to get your, your two cents in on this issue, please give us a call. 1-800-996-2848. Once again, that's 1-800-996-2848. We really want to hear from our listeners today. Give us your take. Did you think it was cool that the Pope was wearing a headdress or did it really tick you off and you just think it was really completely out of line? We want to hear from our guests and our listeners, especially today. Any and all opinions are welcome on our show, Native America Calling. We want to get the information out there. We want to hear what our listeners have to say on this important issue that occurred up in Canada last week. So again, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. What are you waiting for? We're not going to hear from you unless you pick up your phone and call. We'll be right back after this break. This show is supported by the return of FX's Reservation Dogs, the original comedy from Sterling Harjo and Taika Waititi. This season, Reservation Dogs continues to follow the favorite gang of indigenous teens in rural Oklahoma, with each of them trying to forge their own path in hopes of one day making it to California. FX's Reservation Dogs, now streaming, only on Hulu. All new episodes, Wednesdays on Hulu. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. There is still time to join this conversation about headdress protocols. So what are you waiting for? 1-800-996-2848. It's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. On the phone right now, we have Jesse DeRosier. He is a Blackfoot language teacher and consultant. He's speaking with us today from Browning, Montana. Jesse, thanks for calling in. Great to have you on the show again. Oh, yes. Thank you. I just uh, on the road right now, so I apologize. But, hey, uh, no, no problem. I appreciate you taking the time to, to chime in here. And uh, Jesse, first off, I mean, what did you think when you saw photos of the Pope wearing that headdress? Uh, my initial reaction was, was a little shocking, honestly. Um, and over the past couple of weeks, I really spent some time processing it, looking at other people's uh, opinions, taking them in and seeing both sides of the issue. Um, some people relating how important forgiveness is and the importance to to not carry grudgment on anybody or any institution to be able to move past that. And another half of the people really angered still and, uh, you know, under the understanding of the fact of what happened through the churches and through colonization and especially through boarding schools and residential schools. Um, and I think the wounds being still so fresh, not being able to accept something that big as the Pope getting a headdress, you know. Um, but for me, what my overall opinion has been, I think, has is really isn't about the the headdress, but more about what the intent is. I mean, what is the Pope plan to do from now on? You know, um, as far as I know, I think he gave a small apology and some nice words. And in the words of Chief Joseph, good words 
do not bring back my ancestors. Good words will not bring back my language. And they will not restore all the genocide and horror that's been placed on my people by these institutions. So I really believe it comes down to action. You know, um, the church and the Vatican, the Pope, they represent a lot of millions and millions of dollars. You know, many of those dollars were spent removing language, removing Indian children from their homes. So I believe if he really wants to show good faith, he needs to try to restore some of that. Um, Across the nations, tribes are fighting tirelessly to save and revitalize their languages, their cultures um, that have been directly affected by the actions of the church, by the Pope, by the Vatican, and by our government. So I believe the next step needs to be action. You know, if we're going to honor the Pope in that way, he must truly be an ally in revitalizing those understandings of life, you know, recognizing for one, they are a way of life. They are just as important as Christianity is to certain peoples, and that understanding needs to be carried on. But I think it's a great te- teaching opportunity on the importance of what a what a headdress truly is and what it represents. And I'm speaking from Blackfoot culture, first and foremost, that's all I can really speak on because that's all I truly know and understand. You know, a headdress, we say in Blackfoot, it's really a medicine. It's your power, medicine bonnet. But each feather represents a deed or a coup accomplished by an individual. Now, the way we were raised traditionally prior to contact of Europeans, we lived in the bands, camps, and we would unite with all of our people once a year. But through these bands and camps, there would be young people, young women, young men, who were out to earn our place in society. And they would be guided by different societies, some of them for warfare, for the males. And they would earn their stripes, as as you say, you know, by accomplishing small deeds. And each deed that they accomplished, they would earn a feather, you know. And as they worked their way up through their societies and through everyday life, at one point, if they came to a point of leadership where they earned as many feathers that can fit on a hat, they would receive some transfer. And it's a ceremony that takes place to earn that headdress. And it's this protocol, and there's there's a ritual and protocol that uh, takes place. There's a painting. There's certain songs that have to be sung. Um, but it's all it all depends on the person. It has to be accomplished first and foremost. Did the person accomplish those deeds? Um, in contemporary sense, um, modern Blackfoot today, we earn our feathers by being veterans, um, by accomplishing Western education, as well as community, upholding our status within our communities as leaders, as uh, role models, as fathers. You know, um, and it's really, it goes to show your morals, your your values, your morals as a person. But it's it's truly a leadership, 
you know, um, the, the, the symbol of a war bonnet or a headdress is it represents a leader, somebody who will uh, stand in front and take the, take the full force of whatever's coming, you know, somebody who will lay down their own life for the betterment of the people, somebody who will provide, you know, for the people. Um, so. Jesse, yep. you, yeah, that, you just, uh, you expressed that so eloquently and, and beautifully. I really appreciate that. And, um, so let me just ask you then amongst your people, the Blackfoot people, uh, do you think it's appropriate ever to to gift one of these war bonnets or headdresses to a non-native person, regardless of the context, regardless of their accomplishments? Do you think it ever makes sense to give one to a non-native? Well, you know, personally speaking, I've I've seen it. My people present those to non-native peoples who they've delegated as great representatives and allies of our tribe. So I cannot say, you know, what's right or wrong. My tribe has already done that. and I'm not going to speak against my people or, you know, call out anybody. Um, and I think culturally, the point of my culture, everything that I've ever learned within the Blackwood culture, it expresses love and compassion. And with that, there's a, there's a, um, openness. You know, we, we didn't, we didn't, push anybody away. We didn't close our doors to any persons. Um, we were very inviting. We were very accepting to anybody who had a good heart to listen and understand our ways. So I don't think that segregating a person based off of uh, race or based off of their blood quantum or identity, you know, I don't think that's a stipulation. I think it goes to the individual, uh, how their morals are, how their values what have they stood for in their life and what they're going to prove to the people, I think is more important. Um, if we get into white, Indian, black, and that's, that's colonizer terms of, you know, I'm getting on the lines of blood quantum and things like that, but it's more the individual. How, how are their values? How are their teachings? And what have they done to prove that they're worthy of that first? And what have they done to show that they're, they're able to provide for the people. They're able to to put forth the effort in gaining that. You know, a leader doesn't end once you receive that war bonnet. And a leader can be stripped of that bonnet just as easily. You know, traditionally, the word ninna for man, that's the word for warrior, for man, for father, and for leader. And one word represents all those things. So essentially, in a camp, every man, every ninna was a leader, a chief. Now, the one who gained the most support was the principal chief or the one who showed the most bravery and had the best understanding of tactics was the war chief. But once that person made a mistake or somebody else proved uh, more likely to be successful, they would follow that person instead. So okay, it's Jesse, yeah, Jesse, I really appreciate all those comments. and I, I hate to interrupt you, but we've got a lot of callers in the line, and I want to get to those folks. So again, Jesse, thank you. Jesse DeRosier up there in Browning, Browning, Montana, for calling in today and joining the discussion. We've got Malena listening on uh, KUNM in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Malena, you're on the line. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I just felt the need to remind that this particular pope also elevated the founder of the 
boarding schools, Serna. I don't know his full title and all of that, but he he founded the boarding schools, and this pope elevated him to sainthood, and I think that for me it told a lot of his character and his uh, real uh, nature. So thank you for taking my call. Milena, are you there still? Yes. Yeah, okay, so just go ahead and hold on. So you mentioned this individual that the Pope mentioned, uh, Cerna, who was elevated to sainthood, and this is a person who had a really bad reputation for dealing with indigenous people. So um, you feel that because of that act, uh, elevating that individual to sainthood, he just shouldn't... Where do, where do you think the Pope should be on this? Just completely hands off? Yeah, I just feel he has a dual... Um, character, you know, nature, and he is not truly uh, following uh, a, a reliable, trustworthy path. And okay. so that was just my feeling when I've heard all of this. And so I thought I need to call to remind that that's what he did right in the beginning of his uh, taking his uh, office. He elevated, and I know there was a big outcry among indigenous peoples. I've heard that uh, on different channels. And so uh, I'm surprised that this issue didn't come up because uh, it's, I think it's important uh, to see uh, his uh, shifty ways. <laughs> Melina, thanks for, for calling in and sharing those insights and that information. We've got another caller on the line. Shell is listening on KISU in Fort Hall, Idaho. Shell, thanks for calling in today. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Shell. Yeah. Uh, to me, you know, like a headdress is uh, belongs to a traditional man. Uh, a politician is a businessman, so I don't see a politician wearing a headdress unless he's a traditional man, but he's more or less, a, you know, someone who deals with uh, modern-day situations. But the Pope, person, my personal opinion is he's saying, you know, to the Native Nations, I'm sorry. And with, uh, with the headdress, you know, it's like saying, you know, some the Native Nations saying, well, we forgive you. Okay. Shell, thanks for calling in, and you make a really good point, and it's been alluded to before. I know Dana mentioned it, and, and Jesse mentioned it as well, this idea of forgiveness and apologies, and, and I'm really just going to throw this out there because I feel like on, on some level, the Pope and, and the Church, they're just danged if they do and danged if they don't, right? I mean, there's, like, there's no apology that can really ever be good enough to account for all of these past injustices and these sins, the murders, the loss of life. And, and there's just so many Native people, it's like they're just never really going to just, um, it's never going to be enough. So I want to ask Jesse, because I know he's still on the line. Jesse, where, where do we find forgiveness? Where do we move forward from here? Where do we find that as Native people, the, the healing that really needs to occur to, 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 to move on and, and deal with this huge, huge issue that has been tormenting our people for generations? That's a good question. Well, in my personal opinion, everything that I've been taught in my traditional ways, healing comes in action. You know, uh, there is 
there's a big part of healing that comes from within and accepting it, but it takes action. It takes steps to do that. For all of our ceremonies, we have song, we have a protocol, and something that takes place, you know. Um, So for the Pope, I believe something that would speak a lot louder than an apology is action. I mean, he's sitting on one of the largest, you know, uh, organizations that gain money without paying any taxes or anything. So what can he do for the Indian people? You know, can he create an institution for teaching indigenous language? Can he give back to the communities in some kind of monetary value way? Can he build something? You know, to me, that's really a good grace of an apology. It goes beyond just a heartfelt message and words, but the action, I think, would speak a lot louder than that especially because so many tribes today are fighting for language. And that was the number one goal of residential and boarding schools was taking the language. They knew by taking the language, they would take the identity. So giving back to indigenous language, I think would be a huge step for a lot of people and finding some peace with that, finding some healing within those words, you know, behind those Mm -hmm. words. Um, that's my personal opinion anyway. We've got about a minute before we're going to have to wrap up, but I want to go back to, to Negan Sinclair. And, and, and Negan, you know, the, the Pope was kind of light on details in terms of what needs to come next. He mentioned uh, a serious investigation into facts and, um, you know, reconciliation. But reparations, if you could just sum that up in about 30 seconds, is, is, is that still on the table? Do you think that's going to be a possibility at some point in the future that the Church will pay reparations to indigenous peoples? Yeah, there was some talk of uh, of the, ch- the, po- the church doing in some sort of investigation, and then that was later re- revoked. Uh, they said that that was a translation error that the translator made. But, um, okay, the bottom line is there's three things that the church has to do, I'll say them as quickly as possible. The church owes $35 million to survivors here in Canada. Uh, is still fa- failed to pay that. It's now going on 16 years since they've been uh, promised that they've supposed to pay that. Second is there's archives and documents that the church has to tell us who died in residential schools, what happened to those children. And there is the talk uh, that the Vatican has admitted to make a plan to perhaps revoke the Doctrine of Discovery, which was the uh, thing Canada and the United States used to steal Indigenous lands because uh, the Pope in the 15th century said that we don't exist or that our governments don't matter. That's the end of the hour, folks. I want to thank all of our guests, all of our callers, timely conversation on protocols and procedures for wearing and gifting Indigenous headdresses. Join us tomorrow for another great discussion on Indigenous issues. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. Support by the Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian, presenting Ancestors Know Who We Are, a new online exhibition that features works by six contemporary Black Indigenous women artists. Joelle Joyner, Paige Pettibon, Moira Pernambuco, Monica Rickert-Bolter, Stormy Weber, and Rodslin Brown, addressing race, gender, multiracial identity, and intergenerational knowledge. More at AmericanIndian.si.edu. First baby, don't know where to start? CMS programs cover prenatal services. Enroll today. Contact your local Indian health care provider for more information. Visit healthcare.gov or call 1-800-318-2596. 
a message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Elahqua. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.